You are listening to the Bozeman United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. Every Monday morning, you can catch up on the previous Sunday sermon or ones you've missed from the past. You can find out more about us at bozemanumc.org or on our Facebook or Instagram page. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget to share with a friend. Well, church, all dad jokes uh, aside for the day, I promise this sermon isn't littered with them. Maybe. (laughs) We'll see what happens. We finish up our sermon series today, journeying with Peter and the apostles as they kind of journey through the book of Acts, through the early church and setting up the, the, what we know today as the church and, and the early communities in which they lived in. We could certainly cover the rest of the year into next year, maybe even a full year with the stories that we simply find in the book of Acts alone. We haven't even touched on, on Peter's writings and the rest of the New Testament. We haven't even scratched the surface or even mentioned Paul and his influence in the book of Acts. And yet, and yet here we are, we find ourselves leaving those to be stories for another day, knowing that this book of Acts is so robust and just full of hope. And we continue on in that today. We continue, we, over the last few weeks, we have journeyed with Peter and the disciples as the Holy Spirit filled them up and settled upon them with wind and flame in that upper room that they hid in as they leave and go out into the, into the streets to share God's love and grace with all people on that Pentecost day. We caught up with Peter a couple of weeks ago and John as they go to the temple to pray and they find the lame man sitting outside and they reach down and pick him up and heal him. And last week we found that Peter and Cornelius, share, Cornelius, this God-loving Gentile, him and Peter, they share their stories of the Holy Spirit. And we learn that Peter learns, that Peter learns that God's love reaches far beyond what his wildest dreams had ever been. And today, today we encounter Peter as he is once again urgently called, called to go to a community called to go to Joppa because somebody needs healing. See, Peter had gained this reputation as a healer. And and there are a few instances that we find throughout the beginning of the book of Acts where, where that's what Peter's doing. We've talked about a couple of them. And just like Jesus, Peter's reputation begins to precede him. The stories begin to travel and people begin to hear about what Peter is doing. And what Peter is doing is healing people. And in Joppa, there's this lady, her name is Tabitha, but in the, in the Greek, her name is Dorcas. And Dorcas has died. And a little bit of background on Dorcas. For me, I often extend the title disciple far beyond the 12 that walked directly with Jesus. Because for me, to be a disciple means you follow Jesus. And, and you and I today, church, we are disciples. And so I play loose and fast with that title. But here in the New Testament, when we go back to the, to the Greek, the only woman in Scripture that receives the feminine Greek word of disciple is Dorcas. Out of all of the New Testament, out of all of the people who follow Jesus, it's Dorcas who receives the honor of disciple. She very clearly has an impact on the community around her. And the community that surrounds Dorcas there in Joppa is a group of widows. 
And culturally, culturally, those widows, they were the bottom rung of people and their society. Often women had little to no power or influence in the day, and, and in that community, if they didn't have a male figure that stood with them, that represented them, well, they didn't have much. And it didn't necessarily have to be a husband. It could have been their, their father or brother or a son or a brother-in-law or an uncle, whomever. They simply just needed a male presence or else there was nobody to care for them and protect them. It was a cultural thing. But that all changes with Dorcas. The work that she was doing in her community there in Joppa with these widows was to take care and to empower them, to empower them to thrive. And now those same widows, they're calling Peter because Dorcas has died. She got very, very sick and didn't make it. And they had heard about Peter and the way that he was healing people. And so they call. They go and find him. Hear the story again from Acts chapter 9. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In the Greek, her name is Dorcas. Her life overflowed with good works and compassionate acts on behalf of those in need. About that time, though, she became so ill that she had died, and they washed her body, and they laid her in an upstairs room. Since Lida was near Joppa, when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two people to Peter. They urged, Peter, please come right away. And Peter went with them, and upon his, re- 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 uh, ooh, upon his arrival, he was taken to the upstairs room. All the widows stood before him, crying as they showed the tunics and their clothing Dorcas made them while she was alive. Peter sent everyone out of the room. Then he knelt and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and raised her up. And then he called God's holy people, including the widows, and presented her alive to them. And the news spread throughout Joppa, and many put their faith in the Lord. In grief, in dire need, these widows, they call for Peter. See, they have hope that Peter's reputation as a healer precedes him, that he will show up and everything will be okay. And Peter arrives. Peter arrives and the widows, they usher him into the room where they have washed and laid Dorcas to rest. Picture it. Picture it. Peter is once again led into an upper room. There he finds Dorcas. And behind him stand this community, this community of widows, a community of people, of women that she loved that she cared for. They stand behind Peter grieving, telling stories of redemption, stories of hope, showing Peter, here, look at the clothes that she made, crying out, telling him why they're not ready to let go, why they still need her. See, without Dorcas, these widows are once again left without somebody to care for them. Her impact on this community is profound, church. And so Peter hears these stories. He sees the blessing that Dorcas is to these ladies, these widows, the people who surround him. And Peter asks them to leave. He ushers them out of the room and he kneels down to pray. 
And then he turns towards Dorcas's body, and he says, Tabitha, her Hebrew name, get up. And Dorcas opens her eyes. She sees Peter, and she sits up. Seeing this, Peter reaches out his hand and helps her all the way up. And then they go out. They call everybody back together, and they go out, and Peter presents Dorcas to her community. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the immediate relief and hope that the widows of Joppa felt in those moments as Dorcas, much like Lazarus, much like Jesus, exits that room? There is hope again, church. They were not left, once again with nothing. Dorcas was alive and and well, and her ministry of bringing hope to the widows of Joppa would continue. This is a pretty straightforward story. It's pretty straightforward. Dorcas, a disciple, an influential woman in Joppa, she dies. Her community surrounds her and sends for Peter, and because they know he can heal, Peter comes and speaks life into her. And they celebrate. The community is amazed, and many of them turn to Jesus. That's the story on the surface. But if we dig just a little bit deeper, there are some really important underlying lessons here that we don't have to dig all that far to get to. See, when the widows call for Peter, he doesn't show up and and come in and pontificate and tell them all about Jesus and all about the things that God will do. He doesn't come in to have theological debate or, or to stand on his theological teachings and say, this is how it goes. He doesn't come in and promise a distant hope for a better world that's some far-off idea. See, the widows of Joppa, that's not what they need. That's not what they're looking for. The widows of Joppa don't want to hear any kind of a promise for a better world later on. They were grieving. They're scrambling to figure out what is next. What do we do without Dorcas here now? What is going on? How do we survive? And Peter, Peter simply could have showed up. He could have grieved with them. He could have promised them hope and resurrection later on and moved on to the next town. But Peter doesn't do that. Peter shows up and he's present. He sees. He enters into Joppa in the midst of this world that had been turned upside down according to societal standards. See, church, we see with these widows that there is a hierarchy of things, that people are expected to stay in their lanes. We see throughout all of the Gospels and the New Testament, really throughout all of Scripture, that people have their lanes. Fishermen, they're to fish. The paralyzed, the sick, the poor, the folks that are deemed other to stay over here. Widows and children are a real scene to be seen and not heard type of situation. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus that turns that all upside down on his head. It's Jesus that flips the expectations of societal norms on their head, and he calls people. Jesus calls people out of their proverbial lanes into something bigger than themselves, and that's what we see here in this story. Fishermen become preachers and healers. The paralyzed are up and they're running around, changing people's lives around them. And women, women like Dorcas and others are caring for the least of these, for the widows in their community, making a real difference. 
without a man in the picture. Can I get an amen? And then she dies. And this group of women, for them, hope dies with them or with her. And I don't know if you've turned on the TV or picked up a newspaper or scrolled through your phone recently, but it seems like there's a whole lot of people around us doubling down, telling people to stay in their lanes. I mean, how many times over the last few years have we heard things like shut up and dribble, stick to Hollywood, stay in your lane? And sure, those are examples of celebrities and people getting involved in society and culture, but how about the last two weeks? Have you heard anything about women in the news lately? Whether or whether or not they should be in the pulpit or in leadership in the church? Plenty. There's been plenty. There's been plenty of comments about, about our women leadership. There's been plenty of comments the last few weeks and really on and on and on about who can and can't love one another. That is just the tip of the iceberg of people telling one another to stay in their lane. And church, if we sit here righteously and say, that's not us, we have some unfortunate confessions to make. We too, we too, we too fall into the trap of telling people to stay in their lane. It's almost our default as people when we don't understand something or it makes us uncomfortable, we just want it to, to stay over there and especially, God forbid, it threaten any kind of perceived power or influence we may have. Ooh, I don't want to see that. We have people telling one another to stay in their lane just so we don't have to deal with it. But church, we are not called we are not called to stay in our lanes. Pentecost doesn't happen so we can stay in our lanes. If I would have stayed in my lane, I'd still be selling nuts and bolts. Even when I got into the church, if people would have told me to stay in my lane, I wouldn't be here. In fact, if I would have stayed in my lane... I would have stayed in my lane. The idea, the hope, the resurrection that comes from God's love and grace for all people, I don't know where I would be with that today. And I refuse. I refuse to stay in my lane when it comes to people, when it comes to creation, when it comes to making sacred space for all to experience God's love and grace, when it comes to ending evil and oppression, when it comes to bringing hope to tearing down systems. Church, this is our lane. And Dorcas? Dorcas is one of the main people who paves the way for us. See, Dorcas changed the world. Dorcas gives hope and agency and dignity and humanity and hope to the people around her who had none, who were looked at as less than, simply because there was not a man. Dorcas changed the world around her. Thank God. And church, we have to tell these stories. We have to tell these stories. You have to tell the stories of the times that the people around you didn't stay in their lane, which changed your world. Every time. 
Every time that we as a church faithfully tell these stories, whether they're our own or our collective story, we get out of our lane. The systems, the social systems of paralysis and death are rendered null and void. They no longer have any power. When we get out of our lane and we speak the prophetic word, rise, get up, and let's go, those societal and cultural norms that we see that keep people like these widows of the day in their lane, everything changes. But we have to tell the story. We have to tell the story. Church, we have to get out of our lane, lane to proclaim the prophetic words of rise up to go with the Holy Spirit and change the world. That is what Pentecost is all about, church. And when people tell you, tell you as individuals, and when people tell us as a church to stay in our lane, I think I know we know exactly where to go next. Church, this is hard and prophetic work. It is not easy. It is uncomfortable. It is hard to be prophetic and get out of our lane and follow the Holy Spirit into this world is to create change, is to bring hope, is to bring dignity and humanity for every last person, for every last bit of creation, for every last one of us. That is the prophetic work of the church. And let us follow the example of Dorcas. Let us follow the Holy Spirit out in this world and see how it begins to change. Let us get out of our lane. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bozeman United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on each week's sermon. To find out more information about us, you can go to bozemanumc.org or check us out on our Facebook and Instagram pages. No matter where you find us or connect with us, we pray that you get out there and do good.